On June 1st, 2020, the University of California's San Francisco's medical school was plunged into chaos. Employees turned on their computers to find they were locked out. Instead, their screens displayed an ominous message, your files are encrypted. IT staff raced to unplug the servers, hoping the malware wouldn't spread, but they were too late. The system had been infected with ransomware. All of their important data was held hostage. The group responsible for this cyber attack called themselves NetWalker. If the school administrators wanted their files back, they'd have to pay $3 million. Otherwise, they would be deleted permanently. Frantic negotiations ensued in a chat room on the dark web. UCSF staff claimed it was impossible for them to come up with the amount NetWalker was asking for. Eventually, the hackers agreed to lower their price to $1.14 million, but there was a catch. NetWalker didn't want the ransom in cash. They demanded their payment be made in a digital form of currency known as Bitcoin. This way, it would be untraceable. UCSF's negotiator typed in an unintelligible string of letters and numbers, the hacker's Bitcoin wallet address. With a click of a button, they transferred the cryptocurrency. In return, the group decrypted the files. Staff later reported the attack to authorities. But since the ransom was paid in Bitcoin, the hackers were impossible to track. The money was gone for good. The rise of Bitcoin has made ransomware attacks a billion-dollar industry. But criminals aren't the only ones embracing cryptocurrency. Computer programmers, venture capitalists, and international corporations are racing to understand and control the digital dollar. Many believe Bitcoin will become the universal currency that rules the world. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our first episode on Bitcoin. This digital currency was created in 2009 by a mysterious programmer who went by the alias Satoshi Nakamoto. His software allowed users to send money instantly and anonymously all over the world. Many view Bitcoin as the gateway to a financial revolution. It's a currency that belongs to its users and can't be manipulated by governments or banks. But some believe it's a tool for money laundering, drug trafficking, and other criminal methods to evade the law. This episode will explore the history of Bitcoin and how it became the currency of choice for the Internet's most dubious characters. Next episode, we'll examine several conspiracies surrounding Bitcoin. 
from the true identity of its shadowy creator to how it might signal the biblical end of days. We'll also take a look at how this digital currency may replace the U.S. dollar, becoming the backbone of a new global economy. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Try Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. Built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, incredible load times, and 24-7 WordPress priority support, your sites will be lightning fast with global reach. And with Bluehost Cloud, your sites can handle surges in traffic no matter how big. Plus, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. Get started now at Bluehost.com. In October 2008, a man named Satoshi Nakamoto emailed several members of an online cryptography mailing list. This group of programmers had been developing secure methods of internet communication. But to these cryptographers, their holy grail was coming up with a secure digital currency. They believed that fiat money, or money backed by the government, was archaic and easily manipulated. In the wake of the 2008 financial crisis, governments printed vast amounts of cash. This helped ease the short-term effects of the recession, but many felt there'd be dire consequences. If governments continued printing money, it could cause hyperinflation and irreversible economic collapse. Satoshi's group believed the answer was finite currency, money that couldn't be manipulated or abused for political gain. At the time, cryptocurrency already existed. Ventures like BitGold and Hashcash found early support online, but they were difficult to use and had significant problems. For instance, BitGold transactions couldn't be verified immediately, so users could spend money they didn't have before the system caught up. It seemed like every attempt at a digital currency was destined to fail, until Satoshi arrived on the scene. Satoshi Nakamoto said he was a computer programmer in his mid-30s, living in Japan. And he claimed he'd cracked the problem of digital currency. The solution was a decentralized system that allowed users to send encrypted, anonymous payments through the Internet. He called the software Bitcoin. The most critical part of Bitcoin's system was an algorithm called the blockchain. It solved one of the largest obstacles of creating an online cryptocurrency, security. 
In the traditional banking system, security is enforced by the government. Banks follow laws and regulations, and individuals are connected to their accounts by their names and identifiers, like social security numbers. But by design, Bitcoin was anonymous. It didn't have regulations or third-party security. And no matter how well the information was encrypted, there was the possibility a talented hacker could crack the system and steal it all. For Bitcoin to have a future, its users had to feel confident this couldn't happen. So Satoshi Software relied on the blockchain algorithm to keep cryptocurrency users honest. Blockchain kept track of every Bitcoin transaction and published them in a public ledger. Copies of this ledger would be accessible on every computer in the Bitcoin network. In other words, anyone who downloaded Satoshi's software could check every Bitcoin transaction anywhere in the world. Names weren't published in the ledger, so users remained anonymous. But anyone could look back and see when a Bitcoin was traded. Meaning, if someone hacked the system to steal or manipulate Bitcoin, it would be easy to catch. If a hacker rewrote the software to give himself, say, 100 bitcoins, users could check the blockchain and see those coins were counterfeit. This system didn't allow for punishing wrongdoers like the justice system did, but it made sure only valid transactions took place within the Bitcoin network. Many programmers were excited by Satoshi's idea and jumped on board. Together, they created Bitcoin.org and helped develop the software Bitcoin ran on. But as they did, they noticed something strange. Satoshi Nakamoto's IP address wasn't based in Japan like he claimed. It was coming from somewhere in California. They assumed Satoshi was using a pseudonym to protect himself. But it soon became clear he was going to extreme lengths to keep his identity a secret. For example, Satoshi only communicated by email. He never talked on the phone or met in person. Like his creation, he seemed to exist only in the digital realm. After months of preparation, Satoshi's software was finally ready to go live. Around January 3rd, 2009, the first Bitcoin was created in a process called mining. Satoshi wanted the cryptocurrency to grow slowly over time, but he also wanted there to be a finite limit, like gold. Otherwise, the amount of Bitcoin could increase forever, making the currency worthless. So Satoshi decided that only 21 million Bitcoins would ever exist, and they would gradually be created whenever public computers solved complex mathematical equations. Answering these problems rewarded the miner with one full Bitcoin. As more coins were mined, these puzzles became increasingly difficult and time-consuming. This ensured the creation of Bitcoins was slow and steady, unlike the Federal Reserve, which could create billions of dollars in an instant. As for storage, early cryptocurrency owners could only hold their money in software dubbed Bitcoin wallets. These programs contained complex passwords that allowed users to access their currency. Some people downloaded these wallets into physical drives for extra security. But losing that drive also meant losing your bitcoins forever. When the currency went live in January 2009, 
it didn't have a real-world value. But by October of that year, an exchange site decided one Bitcoin was worth seven one-hundredths of a cent, because that was how much the electricity cost to create one coin. At first, there wasn't much you could do with Bitcoin. Many users traded it amongst themselves as a novelty or stockpiled it in anticipation of its value. But on May 22, 2010, Bitcoin finally made its way to the outside world, specifically a Papa John's pizza shop in Jacksonville, Florida. A young web developer named Laszlo Hanya was an early adopter of Bitcoin. But he wasn't satisfied with just mining or holding on to the digital currency. He wanted to spend it, and he was hungry. Laszlo posted on a Bitcoin message board. He said he was willing to pay someone 10,000 Bitcoins if they ordered him two pizzas. At the time, that was about 40 US dollars. Laszlo mostly saw this as a social experiment. He wanted to know if Bitcoin could be used the same way regular money was. After all, cryptocurrency only had a future if people were willing to exchange it for physical goods. At first, many were unwilling to trade their real money for digital coins. Then, a user known as Jerkos took Laszlo up on his offer. Jerkos called a Papa John's near Laszlo's home and ordered two large pizzas for delivery. In return, Laszlo sent the 10,000 bitcoins to Jerkos' wallet. This transaction was a milestone for the software. It proved that Bitcoin had the potential to be more than an obscure novelty. And May 22nd went down in history as Bitcoin Pizza Day. Over the next few months, Bitcoin's price shot up. The value of each coin increased from seven one-hundredths of a cent to eight cents. While that sounds unremarkable, it was a whopping 11,000% increase. Then, Bitcoin encountered its first major obstacle. Someone cheated the system. On August 15, 2010, an anonymous hacker found a bug in the mining process. They exploited it to create more than 184 billion Bitcoins out of thin air. That means the hacker created over 8,000 times more Bitcoins than should ever exist. This crisis became known as the value overflow incident that nearly destroyed digital currency. If anyone could mine an infinite amount of Bitcoin, it would be worthless. Satoshi immediately took action. Unfortunately, there was no way to undo what the hacker had done to the current system. But he could try to reset it. After five frantic hours of coding, Satoshi sent out a new emergency version of the Bitcoin program. It was an entirely separate software that fixed the bug in the mining process. This didn't affect anyone who already had Bitcoin, but it made everything mined in the hours after the hack worthless. It was kind of like going back to a save point in a video game. You might lose whatever progress you'd made recently, but you wouldn't have to start over from the beginning. Satoshi asked everyone in the community to start using this program instead of the old one. Within days, the entire Bitcoin population migrated to the new, unexploitable network, leaving the hacker with billions of fake Bitcoin and no one to sell them to. 
Bitcoin had passed its first big test. Even though there was no central authority, the crypto community had worked together to thwart a hacker. It didn't need an institution to regulate it. And the 21 million Bitcoin standard that Satoshi had established remained intact. But the software was still relatively unknown outside of the community. It was viewed as a promising but niche technology. It needed to find a place where its unique properties were appreciated. Unfortunately, when it did, the results were devastating. Suddenly, Bitcoin found itself facing the full wrath of the United States government. Coming up, Bitcoin becomes the primary currency among scammers and drug traffickers. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Now back to the story. In 2008, a mysterious programmer known as Satoshi Nakamoto created a digital currency called Bitcoin. It allowed anyone on the internet to transfer money anonymously and securely. Satoshi hoped that Bitcoin would usher in a new era of financial independence. But soon, his creation was hijacked by individuals who used the technology to circumvent federal law. Bitcoin's potential to undermine government regulations was first suggested during the WikiLeaks scandal in 2010. WikiLeaks was an online organization created by Australian activist Julian Assange and dedicated to releasing classified federal information to the public. Assange created the group to hold world governments accountable for their actions. He believed that by exposing their secrets, nations would act more ethically. In November 2010, WikiLeaks released a quarter of a million classified messages from American embassies around the world. The incident led to a major diplomatic crisis. Some of the memos discussed fears that terrorists would steal nuclear weapons from the Pakistani government. Others outlined evidence that Russian intelligence was working with their country's organized crime families. Other messages showed U.S. diplomats criticizing America's allies. Many disparaged the actions of world leaders such as the U.K.'s former Prime Minister David Cameron and Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel. None of these memos were ever meant to see the light of day. The United States government was both furious and embarrassed. They accused WikiLeaks of damaging national security and undermining global relationships. From then on, WikiLeaks was subject to a host of sanctions. 
financial institutions such as Bank of America, MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal blocked all payments to the site. Without donations from supporters, the organization was in dire financial straits. In December 2010, an article in the online magazine PC World offered a solution. WikiLeaks should start accepting donations in Bitcoin. The publication argued that while the U.S. government could pressure banks not to do business with WikiLeaks, they couldn't control Bitcoin. The only way to shut down this digital currency was to turn off the entire internet. This idea caused a rift in the Bitcoin community. Many, including Satoshi Nakamoto, didn't want to get caught in a political battle. Bitcoin was still in its early stages of development and negative attention could destroy it. In a blog post, Satoshi said, quote, WikiLeaks has kicked the hornet's nest and the swarm is heading towards us. Days after publishing that statement, Satoshi stopped responding to all messages. His blog became inactive. The most important figure in the Bitcoin community just disappeared without a trace. But his creation had already taken on a life of its own. A year later, WikiLeaks announced they were accepting donations in Bitcoin. At this point, the price of the digital coin was about $31. To date, WikiLeaks has reportedly received tens of millions in the virtually untraceable currency. But they weren't the only organization who adopted cryptocurrency. The anonymity and security Bitcoin promised launched an entirely new industry online black markets. These websites were only accessible on the shadowy, unregulated part of the internet known as the dark web. The most infamous black market site was called the Silk Road. It was launched in 2011 by a shadowy figure known only as the Dread Pirate Roberts. On the Silk Road, sellers posted ads for marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and every illicit substance you can imagine. There were listings for fireworks, fake driver's licenses, and American passports. And all the prices were in Bitcoin. It was like the Craigslist of the dark web. Business boomed as Dread Pirate Roberts raked in millions in digital currency. Not all Bitcoin users were customers of the Silk Road, but it certainly increased the value of their cryptocurrency. Bitcoin's central role in the Silk Road didn't go unnoticed. United States senators called for the site to be shut down, and the FBI opened an investigation into the online black market. Just as Satoshi feared, Bitcoin was caught in the crossfire. Senator Chuck Schumer described the currency as, quote, an online form of money laundering, end quote. He claimed it was dangerous and needed to be regulated. But the Bitcoin community disagreed. They said that they had no power over who used their currency and for what purpose. After all, no one blamed the U.S. government if someone bought drugs with dollar bills. Either way, this negative publicity, along with security breaches, shook public confidence in Bitcoin. Its price fell a whopping 93%. By the end of 2011, it was worth only $2. Over the next two years, Bitcoin's price remained volatile, rising and dropping by dozens of dollars a month. 
As for the Silk Road, it remained in operation until 2013, when the FBI finally shut it down. They also unmasked its shadowy mastermind, Dread Pirate Roberts. His real name was Ross Ulbricht, a 29-year-old programmer from Texas. He was charged with crimes including money laundering, conspiracy to commit computer hacking, and conspiracy to traffic narcotics. The investigation also revealed that Ulbricht had allegedly hired hitmen to assassinate several of his online enemies. Little did he know that one of those supposed assassins was an undercover police officer. Ulbricht was found guilty and given two life sentences, plus 40 years without the possibility of parole. However, only weeks after the Silk Road was shut down, new websites took its place. It was clear that this black market industry was here to stay. Ironically, when the FBI raided the Silk Road, they became a major stakeholder in Bitcoin. It's estimated the agency seized over 170,000 Bitcoins. At least some of these confiscated coins were sold at auction for tens of millions of dollars. The proceeds were then added to the FBI's budget. But Bitcoin wasn't just the currency of drug traffickers and illegal weapons dealers. It was embraced by scammers and hackers as well. International security experts claim that the rise of Bitcoin led to a gold rush of cyber crimes all over the world. One of the most common schemes was known as a ransomware attack. Hackers like Netwalker attacked companies' computer systems like UCSF. They sent innocuous-looking emails to employees, and if anyone opened the message, it unleashed a virus into their computer network. This malicious code encrypted important files and sent a ransom demand to the administrators. If they didn't pay up in Bitcoin, their data was deleted forever. Without cryptocurrency, it would be impossible for these hackers to extract massive ransoms undetected. Wire transfers and physical cash payments made it easy for federal agents to track. They could also subpoena banks for information, like a bill's serial number, but when a ransom was paid in Bitcoin, the money disappeared forever. Most security experts advised companies not to pay the ransom at all. Giving into demands encouraged hackers to continue attacking other companies. But most victims weren't willing to sacrifice their important data for the greater good. It's estimated that in 2015, ransomware targets paid 24 million US dollars to hackers. By 2016, Ransomware was a billion-dollar industry. These criminals targeted individuals, too. While it's nearly impossible to steal someone's Bitcoin electronically, thousands in cryptocurrency have been lost due to scams and con artists. In 2020, hackers infiltrated the Twitter accounts of various celebrities and politicians such as Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Elon Musk. Posing as these famous personalities, the hackers claimed they wanted to give back to their community. They posted fake tweets asking followers to send them bitcoins. Allegedly, if you sent cryptocurrency to a specific bitcoin wallet, these beloved celebrities would send you back double. While this scam seems clumsy, it was rather successful. Many people sent bitcoins, hoping to double their money. Of course, the hackers never followed through on their false promises. 
It's estimated they received over 120,000 U.S. dollars worth from gullible Twitter followers. However, the most insidious scam was known as cryptojacking. This consisted of hackers spreading malware that took control of victims' computers. These machines were then used to secretly mine new bitcoins for the criminals. Of all the bitcoin schemes, these were the hardest to uncover, mainly because victims rarely realized they'd been attacked. In 2018, a popular video game platform known as Steam removed a title called Abstractism from its site. As it turned out, the game was installing a Trojan horse virus on players' computers. When activated, Abstractism took over the machine and forced it to solve the mathematical equations that mined the cryptocurrency. The plot was only uncovered when some people noticed their laptops were using immense amounts of processing power. It was so intense, it could overheat and damage computers, increase electricity bills, even corrupt users' data. Steam immediately removed abstractism from its library, but it's unclear how much cryptocurrency the shady developers gained. Numerous cryptojacking viruses have been unmasked since, but security experts believe there are others still out there. They silently spread through the internet, turning unsuspecting computers into zombie machines with one purpose, creating more cryptocurrency. Despite the amount of crimes it inspired, Bitcoin continued to increase in popularity. In 2017, the price of Bitcoin soared to over $19,000 per coin. Some believed it was the work of a single trader, that an anonymous entity bought a large amount of bitcoins, causing the price to spike. Then others piled on. Some believed the cryptocurrency had just reached a critical mass. Everyone wanted a piece of the pie. Almost overnight, many bitcoin owners became millionaires. Others who had traded their bitcoin realized they'd lost a fortune. Laszlo Hanya was among them. The 10,000 bitcoins he'd traded for about $25 worth of Papa John's in 2010 were now worth nearly $200 million. The young web developer had eaten the most expensive pizza in human history. But it didn't last. Within months, the price plunged to $4,000 per bitcoin. It's impossible to know what precipitated the crash. But once the digital currency entered the public zeitgeist, it was there to stay. Hedge funds and other financial institutions acquired Bitcoin for their own portfolios. Several new platforms, such as Coinbase and Binance, emerged, allowing people to easily buy cryptocurrency. The popular stock trading app Robinhood launched its own news service that focused on digital coins. Many users treated it like part of their investment portfolio. In early 2021, there was another rally for Bitcoin. Its price surged from $3,000 to over $50,000 per Bitcoin. That put the price of Laszlo's pizzas at half a billion dollars. In February, the electric car company Tesla revealed it had purchased $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. They said that soon they'd accept car payments in the digital currency. While experts believe the Bitcoin market will remain volatile, it seems the cryptocurrency revolution is only getting more lucrative. 
and governments around the world will do anything to make it stop. Coming up, the government's reaction to Bitcoin's popularity. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Now back to the story. In 2008, Bitcoin was created by the mysterious Satoshi Nakamoto. Its anonymity made it the currency of choice for many criminal elements. It piqued the interest of corporate titans who felt the future was digital. And it attracted the attention of government regulators intent on controlling it. In the early hours of October 1st, 2020, FBI agents arrested Sam Reed, a cryptocurrency billionaire in Boston, Massachusetts. Reed was one of the founding members of BitMEX, a Bitcoin exchange website. Essentially, BitMEX allowed its users to trade cryptocurrency and make massive bets about whether the value of Bitcoin would rise or fall. It's similar to what hedge funds do with stocks every day. The exchange was started by a former American investment banker named Arthur Hayes. He recruited Reed and another partner named Ben Delo in 2014. Within a few short years, business was booming. Allegedly, users traded trillions of dollars through BitMEX every year. Hayes, Reed, and Delo made billions in commissions and became titans in the cryptocurrency world. However, Critics of the site said it was unregulated and dangerous. They claimed BitMEX didn't verify the identities of its users or follow other anti-money laundering regulations. Allegedly, the site allowed tax dodgers, drug traffickers, even terrorists to clean their dirty money. While Bitcoin claimed to be anonymous, the FBI had recently developed computer algorithms that could track payments. In August of 2020, the Justice Department seized over 300 cryptocurrency accounts linked to terrorist organizations. These funds were used to buy weapons and support militants all over the world. And since Bitcoin had become less anonymous, the government feared organizations would use BitMEX to make their accounts harder to track down. The company's founders fired back, saying there was no proof their users did anything illegal. As far as they were aware, all their clients were law-abiding investors, not terrorists. What's more, BitMEX wasn't an American company. The exchange was based in Seychelles, a tiny island nation in the Indian Ocean. American regulations shouldn't have applied to them at all because they insisted they didn't have U.S. customers. The U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York disagreed. He built a case against the BitMEX founders. 
Hayes, Delo, and Reed were charged with, quote, willfully failing to establish, implement, and maintain an adequate anti-money laundering program. At the time of this recording, they face up to five years in prison. Many cryptocurrency advocates believe the charges weren't about catching drug traffickers or terrorists at all. It was about controlling Bitcoin and other digital currencies. They claim that the U.S. government's treatment of BitMEX is wildly different from how they treat more traditional institutions, like banks, even though the allegations there are far more serious. Most major banks have faced charges for money laundering, tax fraud, or violating international sanctions. Yet in nearly every case, they were only required to pay a fine. In 2012, the Hong Kong and Shanghai Banking Corporation, or HSBC, admitted their lax policies allowed cartels to conceal their profits. According to the settlement with U.S. prosecutors, HSBC ignored clear signs of money laundering from their branches in Mexico. As a result, they allowed the infamous Sinaloa cartel to clean nearly a billion dollars in drug money. However, not a single HSBC employee faced criminal charges. The institution just paid a $1.92 billion fine. Meanwhile, the BitMEX founders were facing years in prison, and that's just for failing to establish an anti-money laundering program. Meaning, authorities don't even have evidence that they actually committed such a crime, just that they didn't prevent one. If an investigation finds that BitMEX did in fact clean money for criminal organizations, they'll be facing much harsher sentences. According to attorneys who specialize in cryptocurrency law, prosecuting the BitMEX founders is really about sending a message to cryptocurrency users everywhere. The United States wants them to know that something like Bitcoin doesn't exist outside the bounds of the law. Sure, they can't directly control the Bitcoin network, but as seen in the case of BitMEX, the government can exert control over the people who use and operate these programs, effectively making examples of them. As Bitcoin's popularity grows, so does its ability to rival fiat currencies. In response, countries like Canada and the European Union are following the United States' example by regulating Bitcoin. Other countries, like India, are trying to make the currency illegal. Government regulators aren't the only ones critical of Bitcoin. Environmentalists also raise the alarm about the negative effects of digital currencies, specifically the vast amount of electricity its network uses. Remember that Bitcoin mining requires computers to crunch extremely complex mathematical puzzles. This takes an enormous amount of processing power and electricity. In 2020 alone, it's estimated that the Bitcoin network used 121 terawatt hours of electricity. That means the cryptocurrency used more energy than the entire country of Argentina did in one year. Even though Bitcoin is heavily restricted in China, it has two-thirds of the world's mining power. Massive Bitcoin computer farms draw enormous power to create the currency. Unfortunately, in China, most of the electricity comes from coal sources, which means that the more power these computers draw, the more fossil fuels need to be burned. 
According to environmental experts, this dirty energy is greatly contributing to climate change. But instead of providing electricity to homes, hospitals, and critical infrastructure, it's just making money. And the problem is only getting worse. There are currently 18.6 million bitcoins in circulation out of the 21 million Satoshi program the system to produce. That's only 11% left to be created, and the mathematical puzzles get more complex as more bitcoins are mined. They need more computing power to be solved, and even more electricity. Once all 21 million bitcoins are mined, there will be a massive reduction in energy use. But according to estimates, the final Bitcoin won't be mined until the year 2140. So we have a ways to go. The crypto movement Satoshi Nakamoto started in 2008 has grown beyond all expectations. Bitcoin went from niche cryptography forums to becoming the subject of congressional investigations. It's clear it will be a defining invention of the 21st century. Still, many mysteries about Bitcoin persist. Its true purpose is up for debate, as are the identities of its creator. Next time, we'll take a closer look at the surprising theories around Bitcoin. Conspiracy theory number one is that Bitcoin is the sign of the devil. The rise of this digital currency may have been prophesied in the biblical book of Revelation, and its growing popularity is a sign the Antichrist will return. Conspiracy theory number two is the true identity of Satoshi Nakamoto. Reporters say they've tracked down the real creator of Bitcoin, but others believe they've got the wrong guy. Satoshi is still out there. Conspiracy theory number three is that Bitcoin will become the currency of the future. It will replace government fiat currency and create a utopia of financial freedom. With passionate voices on both sides, the future of cryptocurrency is unclear. But both Bitcoin's critics and its advocates agree it's going to change everything. What they can't agree on is whether it will unite the world or destroy it. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next week with part two of our exploration of Bitcoin. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Evan McGahey, with writing assistance by Lori Gottlieb and Allie Wicker, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Mm-hmm.